Friends podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Singer. I'm a Christian writer and blogger living in the beautiful state of Alaska. I'm also a trauma survivor and a mental health advocate. I've been through some tough things in my life, and I'm sure you have too. Grace Moments is about helping you hold on to belief in your darkest hours, embrace hope by knowing your suffering is never wasted, and be inspired by the stories of others who have survived their own tragedy. Life, however difficult, can be a meaningful journey, and I'm here to walk it with you. So let's do this together. I'll admit right off the bat that today's episode is going to be slightly different from my usual content on here. Normally when I record Grace Moments every week, I usually talk about certain perspectives that I've had time to sit with. I speak out of some clarity I've gained with distance and time and wise counsel regarding my own journey to mental wellness. I've read or prayed about or thought through the truths I discuss and I share with you what I feel I'm ready to talk about. With every episode of this podcast, I feel as though I'm speaking to myself as much as to you, the listener. I still have a long way to go in terms of really getting these perspectives into my own heart and life, and what I talk about here is a great reminder to me of that. But I think it's also important for you to get a peek into the reality of my journey also. There's still a lot I've yet to come to terms with in my own story, and that became abundantly clear in the last year. I'm still working through a lot of things myself, and today's episode is going to uncover one of the areas in which I'm putting in the work. This is perhaps going to feel a bit random and less succinct than usual, but I'm okay with that, because perhaps it'll feel a little more relatable to something you're working through yourself. I hope you'll stick with me as we talk through some thoughts I have, so let's get started. I've noticed one of the biggest criticisms in this field of mental health is that the helpers don't often assist from a place of personal experience. So those seeking advice and care regarding their mental and emotional condition feel like they're not completely understood. I get that. As I mentioned in the intro, I'm on my own journey toward mental wellness, and that's why I'm sharing a bit of what I'm dealing with right now so you'll know that I'm right in this process with you of doing what I can to heal my body, mind, and spirit, and make peace with the past. I'm doing my part to practice what I preach. One of my recent areas of focus has been regarding reconfiguring memory. I've been reading a book recently all about forgiving what you can't forget, about trying to heal and reframe your most painful experiences into something that is redemptive and holy. And this book has been really challenging me and opening my eyes to ways in which I've yet to let some painful things go. One thing I've started to realize recently is that all painful things take something from us. Whether it be a person, a relationship, a job, a community, or even something more sacred, such as a bit of personal innocence or trust, we lose a bit of who we are when faced with difficult and hurtful situations. Regardless of whether they come at the hand of another person or just the natural results of living in a fallen world, we must be honest about the fact that we change through suffering. Even if we find a way to heal and move forward, we will never be exactly the same person or have life exactly the way it was prior to that certain event or series of events occurring in our life. 
And this makes it really hard sometimes to know what to do with the impact of what has happened. We don't just grieve the facts of what we're experiencing. We grieve how they have changed us. We grieve the after effects. Because deep down, we know that life will never be what it once was. Even if there is some repairing or restoration that goes on, we are still forever stuck with the implications, the consequences, the feelings of what it was like to go through that time. I'm slowly understanding in my own life that part of the healing process is learning how to adjust to a new me following a traumatic or hurtful event in my life. Figuring out how to take that difficult thing that happened and find a place for it in the landscape of my life and decide how I'm going to move forward with it in the future. Because now I've been asked to carry a memory, an emotion for the rest of my life that perhaps I never asked for or wanted. And how I carry that matters. Depending on how I choose to respond to what happened and what I take away from it, I'm carving out a new identity along the way. With every decision I make regarding my healing or lack thereof from a certain painful thing, I'm determining who I'm going to become as a result of this. Will it make me bitter or will it make me better? Will I be less trusting or more so? Will I be less loving or more so? Part of what brought on this exploration in my personal life was a situation that happened around 18 months ago that completely and totally rocked my world. I've had a few of these landmine moments in my life, but none quite like this. I was attending an event for a ministry I'd spent close to a decade working for, and circumstances had necessitated my stepping away from it about 6 to 12 months earlier. I had been assured by those in charge I was welcome any time to still stop in and support their efforts, and I made every attempt I could to keep in touch with the cause and the people involved, whom I cared for deeply. We had become like a family during the years I was there, and while I had left my position, I made it clear they still had my support and my heart. The event I was attending at a local church in the area was actually one I had helped start years before to help promote the ministry, and I had established some wonderful relationships with the church staff and its members. I was looking forward to coming back and seeing everyone again. The event went off without a hitch, and I enjoyed touching base with several people involved with the ministry. Things felt sort of like they always had, just without me having the responsibility from before. Nothing indicated that a hurtful moment was about to occur unexpectedly, but it did. Right after the event, as I was waiting in the lobby to thank the pastor of the church and say goodbye to a couple of people, a staff member from the ministry I worked for came up and launched into a very awkward conversation. For the sake of privacy, I won't divulge the details of what was said that day, but suffice it to say, some extremely hurtful things came out of the individual's mouth that left me reeling. I was shocked. Falsely accusing and critical comments were uttered that could only have come from a heart that had yet to deal with its own pain. Whether they were spoken out of jealousy or fear or just plain misunderstanding, I'll never know. But I'll never forget how they made me feel. Small. Unloved. Unappreciated. Insignificant. Unwanted. The exchange that ensued and Whatever feeble attempt I could muster in the moment to defend myself and try to set the record straight is a blur to me, and all I remember is wanting to end the conversation and get away as soon as possible to lick my wounds, figure out what happened. 
I know I said a few things in response and did my best to keep my cool, but it was clear that anything I replied to was unsatisfactory and the situation was all about control. I walked out of that church moments later as quickly as possible, got in my car, and shed tears all the way home. The days and weeks that followed were hard, very hard. I'd been deeply hurt by someone who had been around me the entire time I worked there and who I expected would have known me better and who I thought I could trust. In a split second, that trust was broken, and sadly, the implications were massive, as many other relationships completely uninvolved in that one conversation could be negatively impacted by where things went from there. I was a jumble of anger, sadness, and confusion as it all felt and seemed so very wrong and unfair. Yet in the months afterward, as I kept on searching for clarity and asking God how to deal with this sudden turn of events, I started to unpack what happened, and God showed me a little move at a time how to move forward, how to view the situation with some semblance of spiritual insight, how not to be resentful over what had been said and how to rid myself of the toxicity that had shockingly been deposited into my life. Eighteen-ish months later, can I be honest with you in saying that this situation still hurts? Even though the hatchet was buried, as they say, that didn't necessarily make things right, especially since there was never an apology issued for what happened and others were brought into the situation and took the side of the person who said those untrue and harsh things. I'd be lying to you if I said I'd moved on and left what happened in the past. I haven't fully yet, but I'm trying. And this brings me to a very important truth that's become obvious to me as I've done my part to work through this situation and others like it that I later discovered I'd yet to properly acknowledge. Healing is a process, not a destination. We often think of healing as being an ending place in our journey, a finality of sorts. But the reality is, healing is an ongoing thing. Forgiveness is an ongoing thing. Moving forward is an ongoing thing. Reconfiguring our memories and gaining new perspective on how to find a place for the hurtful things that have happened is something we'll be doing on some level for the rest of our lives. To a certain degree, we will always be cycling back past these chapters in our past and finding new ways to understand them. We'll keep having to lay down our feelings and our perhaps unfulfilled desire for justice or resolution in the situation that never came. When it comes to dealing with our wounds, we are in this for the long haul. Christian therapist Jim Cress was quoted recently as saying that the process of healing looks a lot like collect the dots, connect the dots, correct the dots. And in different situations of our lives, we'll be in various stages of that process at different times. But there are a couple of points that I'm starting to grasp that have helped a lot when it comes to how I make peace with things that are hard for me to release. Number one, establishing new neural pathways takes time. The human brain is created for pattern and prediction. It is made to adapt to whatever we most frequently do and think, to help us remember how to function and perceive certain things so that we know how to live going forward. If we have discerned that a situation or person or thing can be associated with good feelings or positive outcomes, our brain records that. Then the next time we come across that, we're happy and anticipate another good outcome or feeling. On the flip side, 
If we associate something or someone or some place with negative or dangerous feelings or outcomes, our brain stores that for next time so we know to avoid that or brace ourselves if it seems unavoidable for future pain. Whatever habits of behavior or thinking have been neurologically established over and over again by the things we think or do or the people we're around or the experiences we have, those will become who we become going forward. The mind will adapt to whatever established pattern has been set. And this also means that in order to change that established pattern, a new pattern must be enforced. You must begin to replace the old way of behaving or thinking with a new way, and you must keep enforcing the new way over and over and over again. Over weeks and months' time, that new way will start to become more automatic as the brain adjusts and realizes this is the way forward. But in order for this to happen, this process of creating actual new neural pathways in the brain that shape who you are necessitates time and energy and effort on your part. It means lowering certain priorities in order to give yourself the time and space to let the new information sink in and take hold. It means creating mental bandwidth in the brain by letting some stuff go in your life so that the new habits can form more easily. This is part of what it takes to reconfigure our memories. Scientific studies show that times of extreme stress or danger or trauma impact the processing of memories into our brains, hindering them from being able to take in information at the rate or impact they normally would in a resting state. This explains why, as one of my mentors explained it, our brains, when they've been traumatized on some level, become like jammed printers. They can only process one issue at a time, oftentimes the most recent one. And the only way to help those stuck memories process is to do what you would a jammed printer, remove the obstruction one little piece at a time. This means that sometimes it could be months or years before the brain and the body are ready to address the situation and start moving toward healing. And that's okay. The important thing is to keep reinforcing the right way to view it. Keep putting in the truth so that when you are at that point where the brain is open to facing what happened and attempting to enforce a new neural pathway and correctly store the information, it can be processed in a healthy and productive way. A second thing I'm figuring out is that it's possible to accept the existence of the initial event while still working through the impact of the after effects. By this I mean it's possible to make peace or at least find clarity with the facts of the initial situation and still not feel like you've fully forgiven or found perspective with the fallout from it. In the case of the situation I told you about earlier, I've reached a place where I've worked through what was said and found some answers going forward of how I can let those lies go and reframe the initial conversation. I don't wish ill will on the person who said what they did, and I do feel some compassion for them that they felt that that was their only way to handle the situation, to put another person down and paint them as an adversary. However, the consequences of what happened that day are still very much impacting my life today. I hear something about that person and it still tenses up my body and brings back the feeling I had when I walked out of those church doors that day. I don't want to feel this way for the rest of my life and I'm doing what I can every day to work through the pain and get some distance from the after effects it's had. But I will be the first to tell you that I'm definitely not there 
in terms of having a peaceful, healthy view of that memory. And I'm learning that I can sit with these two realities and be okay. I can embrace the healing and understand that comes with time, while also realizing that those new neural pathways and those healthy connections and the peace I'm working toward won't happen overnight. This is a process and I just need to take what my brain and body will allow me to address and go from there. I can be at peace with certain parts of what happened and not quite yet with others. Lastly, I'm understanding that the provision of God, the answers of God, sometimes come in forms I don't expect or initially want. Author Lisa Turkhurst got me thinking about this when I read in one of her insightful books a story she told about a certain situation she was struggling with and how God's response to her confusion was simply this. This is an answered prayer. She was initially startled and somewhat resistant because it seemed so very contradictory to what was going on and how she felt. It messed with her mind, but she acknowledges that at the same time she also couldn't unsee it either. And she goes on to point out something very powerful in the paragraphs that follow. This is taken from Forgiving What You Can't Forget, by the way. She explains, I've been praying, God help me see what is in front of me as my answered prayer. And I'll be honest with you, my brain keeps firing alarming statements of resistance to this whole idea. But as I've also looked at what God's Word teaches us about the way God provides for us, and why I might not interpret what I'm seeing correctly, I've been quite blown away, in a good way. I've been praying for almost as long as I've been living, but I very rarely had the thought to look around at my life and see today, this moment, in this season, as the answered prayer. When I think about prayer requests, I think of what I hope God will do, not what has been done for today. The reason I miss seeing what I'm living today as the answer to my prayers is that very often, maybe even always, it's not what I thought it would be. God's answers don't look like what I have pictured so clearly in my mind. Yes, girl, I feel you on that. Been there many times myself. And these words have recently challenged me to go back to some of the things that have hurt me deeply in the past, or maybe are hurting me deeply now, and ask myself if there is a hidden answer to prayer tucked within the terrible ache of the situation. Because this is yet another way that I can somehow reconfigure how this memory travels with me. Looking back, I see that leading up to that awful conversation in that church lobby that day, I had been trying to figure out some deeper levels of my mental health that I'd yet been able to put a finger on. Why certain statements or situations were capable of putting me in the hole so fast when I'd already done a lot of work to heal and make peace with things in my past. I knew I still needed healing and wholeness in certain places of my life. I just wasn't sure exactly what or why or how. I prayed for answers. Months after that incident, I realized that painful as it was, it had become a catalyst for change in my life. Doing the deep dive to understand it and try to come to terms with it had opened up almost a Pandora's box of sorts where more and more hurts from my past had come to light. Things I'd maybe said at the time didn't bother me that now I was forced to acknowledge and deal with. Yet in this process, which is still ongoing a year later, by the way, God brought me the clarity and healing I had asked for, just not in the way or the means I would have expected. It took the pain of that conversation and the after effects it has produced 
to draw out the pain of other things and to set me on a course of change that is now producing those new neural pathways and bringing me closer to that peace in my body and mind that I've so desperately needed. When typical family dysfunction hits, I'm forced to remember that even in the moment where a prideful comment or hurtful thing has just triggered an emotional response in me or made life more complicated on some level, there was a time when I stood at the bedside of my dad as he lay sedated in the hospital and prayed for God to spare his life. God answered that prayer. Dad is still with us and we've all survived. Do we have wounds and ongoing issues from what happened all those years ago? Most definitely. I can't go back to being the person that I was before that happened. My body has kept the score. It won't let me not remember. But does having that answered prayer bring me some perspective in those dysfunctional family moments? Yes, yes it does. Lisa Turkhurst advises once again, let the faithfulness of God interpret what you see. And perhaps that's the best possible piece of advice I could give you out of what I'm figuring out myself. I don't know what it is that you're having to process or what painful memories may be stuck in your brain, trying to work their way out like a splinter in your hand, irritating you along the way. But I do know that it's possible to reconfigure those memories and reframe them within the context of hope. It's possible to take those thoughts as your brain and body will let you and let the faithfulness and provision of God allow you to see them a different way. We see only with a flawed human vision. God sees something far bigger and way better than we cannot even begin to imagine. When we ask him for clarity or healing regarding the things that are hard to forget, he sees the answer in a context that is veiled from our own view. So even when it seems like he's not coming through or listening to us in the way we initially asked, it's because he's planning to answer or act on terms way bigger than what we can imagine. 1 Corinthians 2.9 reminds us, No eye is seen, no ear is heard, and no human mind is conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him. So even if what God gives or allows appears to be ugly, God is still in control over what he plans to do in the situation and how he intends to use it for good. Yes, he could have prevented the pain from happening, but doing so would have stalled the blessing or the benefit contained in it. Let me repeat that. God could have prevented the pain from happening. He could have, but that would have stalled the blessing or the benefit it contained. Life is often unfair and people are unreasonable and situations are hard to forgive and move forward from. But the thing to remember is that even when people wrong us or circumstances wound us and all we feel like doing is shaking our fist at how inconvenient and difficult and painful it all feels, God has never and will never wrong us. God hasn't sinned. He never will. What looks like the worst thing from an earthly perspective and what feels to us like the end is actually something God is looking at very differently. We keep seeing what we've lost, how we've changed, the damage that occurred, and are blind to the fact that we are never without God in the situation. He saw it happen. He knew ahead of time. And even the memories we struggle so hard to make peace with can still be used by him for good. Somehow, however hard it is to grasp on our end, God knows this is part of a much bigger story. And we can trust him to faithfully make it redemptive and beautiful. It's just up to us to choose to keep looking for that in the midst. 
I hope these random thoughts on reconfiguring memory have been helpful to you on some level. It's just what's been rattling around in my brain for a while, and I felt compelled to share on the chance that some of you listening maybe needed to hear this too. We're all on a journey, trying our best to find a place for these hard things in the landscape of our lives. It's hard, I know. I'm living it every day through managing depression, anxiety triggers, and a trauma-ridden body that constantly reminds me of what I've been through. It's not comfortable, and it's challenging. But the thing I keep reminding myself and I remind you of today is that as long as we're moving forward, we'll be okay. As long as we're taking some small step toward the healing and peace and wholeness that we need and want, that is progress. And all those small steps add up over time. We'll never forget what happened. It may take years of the rest of our lives to forgive and heal from what happened, but there is grace to keep trying, to keep releasing, to keep hoping. Soldier on, friend. We're in this together. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, please subscribe to this podcast as well as leave a review. If you want to read additional content, please visit and subscribe to my blog at www.graceopens.blogspot.com. You can also connect with me on social media via Twitter at OpenToGrace2015, Instagram and Parlor at OpenToGraceAlaska, and on MeWe under my name, Katherine Singer. I'll see you in the next episode, and remember, Grace will always meet you where you are. Thank you.